please. No. If we take the time to get help, then the son of a bitch could get away. What does that mean? It means that he's still here. Somewhere. Look, you see this? This blood isn't the time to dry. Come out, come out, wherever you are. Oh, shit. You want a war? You got one. Hey, man, I wouldn't do that. Shut up, brother. Shit. No! Hey, what's your name, Burn, baby, burn. Hi, this is Victoria DeMar, star of Werewolf in a Woman's Prison, and Killjoy Goes to Hell. You're listening to The Casey Ferguson Show.
pleasure beyond measure. You were listening to The Casey Ferguson Show. It's going to be a hot time on the cool town tonight. Yes, it's Casey Ferguson here, the Benoit Balls of the podcast world, getting ready to get lubricated and integrated with another episode sure to rock you in all the right places. From the album Tasty Nasty, that was Wilson getting the engine revving here on episode 52. The track is called Dump Truck. Speaking of dumps, I am coming at you once again from Motel Ferguson, my low-rent love shack with a leopard print tarmac located in the seedy underbelly of Kingston, Ontario, Canada. Wonderful building. <laughs> What's wrong with it? Well, the phrase reeks of urine comes to mind. Reps Callians, I'll tell you, there hasn't been a whole lot of love as of late here in the ghetto. And I don't just mean my ongoing sordid saga as Kingston's most eligible bachelor either. There have been three deaths in this building in about as many months, one of which being my neighbor, who apparently had as much company as I do. She had been dead a week or more by the time they found her. That's some cold shit. The neighbor on the other side, which many of you will remember as Yellinor next door and mother of crackhead Chrissy, looks to be next on the Reaper's Rolodex. Her check liver light is on and probably glowing like a fucking lava rock, so she's been in the hospital for nearly two months. Hey, far out. Now I won't have to listen to her, right? Yeah, instead I get to listen to a bunch of her methy minions squatting at her place when they're supposed to be dropping in to feed the fucking cat. Among these drug-inhaling derelicts is an allegedly married couple that are feuding like the Hatfields and McCoys. Man, I'm busier than a cucumber in a woman's prison. I ain't got time for that shit. Since the powers of B aren't doing anything about these loitering lollygaggers and my own efforts to quiet them have only been moderately successful, it's time to move to plan B. Louder than love. See, here's one for my neighbors, your neighbors, and our neighbors on nearby planets. Time to wake up. This is Never Elected on the Casey Ferguson Show.
sins You thought I'd take a bigger swing But look at yourself now and make some space Here comes the king Oh,
Rolling, strutting and strolling, ramming and jamming. You were listening to the Casey Ferguson Show. I bet he kisses like a lizard. <laughs> the latest single from my monolith there, Instinct. Dirty Shirley in there before that with Here Comes the King and Never Elected at the top of the set with Wake Up. So here's a bit of a bizarre tidbit I came across the other night. According to CNN, actress Sharon Stone said she was bumped from the dating site Bumble because other users had reported her profile, not believing it to be genuine. Gee, imagine that. Bumble, which describes itself on Twitter as quote-unquote bringing good people together, later restored her account. What baffles me is that Sharon fucking Stone would be using a dating app. Sharon, honey, schnookums, you don't need Bumble. Give old Casey a call. I'll give you some sweet loving, baby. Ah, what a date it would be. I can see it now. You ready, daughter? Yes. What would you like? Uh, well, I'm a little short of cash. You can owe me. Yeah? Oh, well, I'll have a couple burgers, uh, large fries, and, uh, what kind of beer you got? Come on, man, this is a drive-in, not a bar. All right, don't get nervous. You know, I've been pretty opposed to using any of the dating apps or sites. I don't know if it's ego or that I've just never really been the type to go looking for love, but, hell, I guess if Sharon Stone is on there, maybe there might be something to this whole online dating bullshit after all. All right, let's get this dating profile happening. Describe yourself and what you're looking for. No problemo. Loquacious, libation-loving Lothario seeks lusty, busty non-dummy who likes both her music and sex loud, hard, and fast. Must be unmarried, gainfully employed, kid-free, disease-free, have own residence, and most of her own teeth still in her head. Must not have ever dated a bass player, drummer, sound man, bar owner, lawyer, or politician. I used to go out with a bass player, and he wrote this 
beautiful song for me called Dear Prudence. Yeah, that sounds like something a bass player would do. Hmm, this is harder than I thought. Maybe it would help if I took a look at a few profiles for a point of reference. Let's see what's out there. Seeking gullible, hardworking schmuck with car for long-term relationship with short-term fidelity. Damn, no car. I'm kind of married to my phone, but like maybe we can hook up or whatever. Kiss emoji, heart emoji, wink emoji, and so on. Yeah, pass. Are you tall, dark, and handsome? Strike three. Recently divorced cougar not concerned with looks? Oh, this could be the one. As long as you look like Brad Pitt in Legends of the Fall. Fucking 1994 Brad Pitt. My ideal date would contain the three L's. Lobster, limos, and love. Yeah, well, my ideal date would contain the three T's. Tits, toast, and tang. Voluptuous, fun-loving mother in open marriage. Yeah, I've heard that one before. Blowjob-loving former priest. See, what the hell? Statuesque blonde writer who enjoys smoking cancer sticks and brandishing ice picks seeks inspirational male for toward love affair ending in death. Well, I don't know about that whole writer thing. Let's put that in the maybe pile. I have my mother's smile and my father's genitals. Wait, how in the fuck? Oh. Oh. Maybe I'll just tighten mine up a little bit. I like boobies and can breathe through my ears. That ought to do it. You know, on second thought, I think I'll just sit here counting scars. This is Gabriel and the Apocalypse on the Casey Ferguson Show.
is Alana Miles. You're listening to the new religion that will bring you to your knees. Casey Ferguson. Your knees freeze and your liver quiver. You are listening to the Casey Ferguson Show. Why are you telling me this? 
What makes you think I have any interest in that at all? New music from Inherit the Stars there, The King and Queen, and before that, from the album Alpha Bionic, was Gabriel and the Apocalypse, Counting Scars. My first guest on this episode of The Casey Ferguson Show is actor and musician Bill Mosley. Whoa. <laughs> he looks cool. <laughs> you likely know Bill from his portrayal of Otis B. Driftwood in several of Rob Zombie's films, House of a Thousand Corpses, The Devil's Rejects, and Three from Hell. Perhaps you know him as Chop Top from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Maybe you know him from the sci-fi horror musical Repo the Genetic Opera. Well, I suppose you could be confusing him with another guy you saw in one of all those other sci-fi horror musicals. It is a crowded genre, after all. What you may not know is that Bill released several albums with avant-garde guitarist and former Guns N' Roses Axeman Buckethead under the name Cornbugs. He also released an album entitled Songs of Darkness and Despair with Phil Anselmo from Pantera, Down, and Superjoint Ritual under the name Bill and Phil. Obviously, there is much to talk about. This is my interview with the man, the myth, the legend, Bill Mosley on The Casey Ferguson Show. So here's a special request we're doing this afternoon and tonight. You steady listeners know we're playing this every hour. This is for Lefty. This is Casey Ferguson, and you are listening to The Casey Ferguson Show. Bill Mosley is on the phone. Bill, what you been up to, man? Tuesday night, I went to see a screening of uh, Color Out of Space which is uh, Nick Cage's new movie. And that was very psychedelic. Really, uh, you know, felt a lot of it felt like an acid flashback. And uh, very cool, I must, must say. That was, you know, that's two thumbs up for me. But uh, even so, it was, it was very trippy. Like going to Namland? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, I had just, uh, and Nick was at the screening Tuesday night. It was like a premiere, some kind of a thing. And uh, I had uh, worked with Nick in the month of December in uh, Japan. We were in a movie together called uh, Prisoners of the Ghost Land, directed by a great Japanese director named Sion Sono, S-I-O-N-S-O-N-O. And uh, Nick, of course, is the, uh, the star. And uh, actually, the leading lady is a real beauty named uh, Sophia Butella. And Sophia played the uh, avenging mummy in uh, the Tom Cruise mummy movie. And she is, uh, she's uh, quite gorgeous. And uh, the three of us, along with uh, an actor named Nick Cassavetes, who's uh, John Cassavetti and Gina Rowland's son, did uh, Prisoners of the Ghostland, which should be coming out probably toward uh, you know the fall or early winter of uh, 2020. So very cool. Fantastic. Well, uh, we were talking about Astronomicon and you've done a ton of these conventions. Yep. Um, I heard that once you signed a bleached cow's hoof. So what are some other fucked up things that fans have had you sign? Um, you know, if I can get a magic marker on it or a Sharpie, you know, I'll sign it. I, I've signed lots of uh, breasts and butt cheeks. Certainly the bleached cow hoof was a, was a one-off. I, I don't <laughs> think I've ever... I'd certainly never seen that before, and I haven't seen one since. <laughs> and I hope that isn't uh, an incentive for people to go out and start <laughs> bleaching uh, cow hooves just to bring to me. Yeah, you're going to gonna be in Detroit, them. and there's going to be like 300 of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, as Chop Top says, music is my life. So, uh, well, here's my question for you. Let's say okay. there's a zombie apocalypse. You can take three albums with you to quarantine. What are they? 
And are you talking about three music albums? Absolutely, because I definitely want to touch on your music career here as well. Okay, well, if it's other people, I, I don't think I would take my own music with me. So well, I, I should hope say, not. Uh, <laughs> That'd be kind of an egomaniac move, yes, wouldn't I would, it? <laughs> well, that would just be... Yeah, that wouldn't. That's not my. That's not my style. <laughs> um, I would take a Fleetwood Mac album called "Then Play On," which is old Fleetwood Mac when they were a guitar group uh, before adding, uh, you know, uh, Christine Perfect, and uh, you know, before it became you know popular. Uh, so then play on Fleetwood Mac. Um, I would take uh, Sgt. Pepper's, and I would take. Uh, I think the first Led Zeppelin album. Well played, sir. Now that uh, Fleetwood Mac album, I'm. It's been a little bit. I definitely love all eras of the band. Well, more so the early stuff and rumors. Post rumors, it gets a little dicey for me. But was that uh, with Peter Green on that record? Oh yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Danny Kirwan, Peter Green. Oh, man, absolutely. Yeah. Those guys were just fucking stellar. I mean, Mac is so good. And for anyone out there who hasn't heard anything pre-Rumors, by all means, go and check it out, because it's an entirely different band. Like, a really, really a completely different sound. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking even pre-Kiln House. Uh, so, yeah, then play on. Wow. And, um, you know, I mean, first Led Zeppelin, okay. Uh, you know, there's another... There's another album that I would, maybe I would even trade in for that first Led Zeppelin album, and that would be Clear Spot by Captain Beefheart. Excellent selection, sir. Yeah, kind of a kind of a deep cut. Yeah, so I'm going to have to say, I'm going to have to cut, um, you know, I'm going to have to cut uh, Led Zeppelin loose, even though I love them dearly, and say Clear Spot, uh, Sergeant Pepper, and then play on. And let the zombies, you know, eat whom they will. Well, uh, as I mentioned, you're a musician in your own right, and uh, I wanted to say, man, I love Dirty Eye. The uh, Bill and Phil is fucking great video, too. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that was a pretty wild video. Um, yeah, you know, it's so funny because uh, you know, I became friends with Phil when I was uh, called to interview him for uh, a website called Artist Direct. They were having a deal where actors would interview musicians and the musicians would interview the actors. So you would interview each other, basically. And I got called to uh, interview Phil, and I was like, oh, absolutely, that would be great. I'd love to. I came to the studio, and I, I met Phil. It was a great guy. Guy. And uh, lamentably, in a way, um, uh, you know, I'm supposed to be, you know, the horror guy and he's supposed to be the music guy. Well, he turns out to know more about horror than I do. <laughs> and certainly a lot more about music. So it's kind of a one sided. I was like asking him questions and he was just giving me all these amazing answers. I mean, he also he knew, uh, you know, one of the most esoteric uh, horror movies, I think, is is uh, a movie called Defula, D-E-A-F-U-L-A. And it's it's a black and white uh, horror movie about Dracula, but it's, uh, it's done in sign language. It's basically a movie by and for the deaf. Oh, wow. And so uh, you, you can go on YouTube and check it out. Just type in D-E-A-F-U-L-A, and you'll see like a trailer or something of Defula. And uh, Phil turned me on to things like that. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I had no idea that, that Defula existed, and, uh, you know, so it was a lot of fun to, you know, have that interaction with him. And we, you know, we were friends past that, 
And uh, when he would come into town with his various different bands, um, you know, I'd, I'd go see him and, you know, I have a chat backstage and everything. And then, you know, but I, I kept mentioning, oh, yeah, you know, I used to work with Buckethead and Cornbugs. And, you know, I, oh, yeah, I'm a musician, too. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. And, and then uh, finally, I, I, we were emailing and I, I suggested, uh, I said, well, you know, one more time, hey, we ought to get together and do something. You know, I, I don't know if I added ha-ha, but... Um, he wrote me back and said, uh, well, you know, uh, next week I got four days. You know, my girlfriend's parents are leaving and you know, I got four days before I go on tour or whatever the heck it was. And he said, if you can get down here, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what we can see. So I uh, immediately hung up the phone or, you know, read that email, I guess it was, and uh, got, you know, got on the computer and cashed in some air miles and uh, flew down from my home here in L.A. to uh New Orleans and I rented a car and I drove over Lake Pontchartrain and found Phil's house in the woods and uh, you know we spent four days working on uh, Bill and Phil and it was uh, great because it was we were very focused you know nothing was distracting either one of us and we just uh, really got down with uh, you know the the bare bones of uh, songs of darkness and despair and then of course because he you know is the president uh, of Housecore Records. Uh, he's got a bunch of different bands like uh, Child Bite and King Parrot and uh, I Hate God and all kinds of different bands. And so uh, as they built uh, Bill and Phil, you know, Phil and his um, big fella, his uh, editor, uh, they added, you know, guitar riffs from different bands and you know, everybody contributed. So uh, it came out, I thought it came out great. I, I especially love Dirty Eye. Yeah, so good, man. I was digging it. It's got that kind of sludgy southern thing like he does with Down, but that, you know, kind of Sabbath-y riffage, too. It's, yeah, man, it's so good. <laughs> I was listening to it earlier, man. I was yeah. just, just kind of swaying back and forth, you know, rocking out. Yeah. Corpus Crispy. Yeah, Corpus Crispy, too, is one of my faves. Now, you, you mentioned Buckethead, and uh, I actually came across a, a very interesting quote the other day from Axel. And I know you had a bit of a weird outing with Buckethead, and the Axel quote is, His transient lifestyle has made it impossible for even his closest friends to have nearly any form of communication with him whatsoever. I mean, this coming from Axel of all people is pretty interesting. So is that kind of how it was with with you guys? Like, was that your experiences with Buckethead? Well, my experience with Buckethead was that he is a very ephemeral character. and He's here one day and gone the next. Um, That uh, it's not like you call Buckethead. It's like he kind of appears uh, before you. or calls you <laughs> and um, you know that's what happened I we we were you know buddies on and off for about I guess about 10 years and then um, you know he called me one day and said I, I probably won't be talking to you for a while and I said okay and um, that was the last I heard from him I think that was about you know almost 10 years ago and that was that was right before I think he was just you know hooking up with uh, Axel and, and Guns N' Roses I think there were some health issues and some family stuff. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff. I, I have no idea, but um, working with Buckethead was so much fun uh, just because it was one of those deals where, uh, you know, as an, as, an, as an artist, as a creative person, you know, usually when you find a, like a partner or somebody, a compadre, somebody who's uh, on your same wavelength, that uh, those are, those are few and far between. And I would have to say that with, with Buckethead, it was, um, you know, we really were on the same wavelength there for a while. And, and while that was happening, 
really couldn't have been more fun and and more inspiring, really, because his guitar playing is so amazing. And yet, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, with Corn Bugs, I think we ended up with about five CDs worth of material. And I don't think, uh, I don't think even one Corn Bugs song was uh, a second take. Everything we did was a first take. And uh, on, on some of the songs, you can certainly well imagine that. But on some of them, it's like, wow. I mean, how does how does that happen in one take? Uh, when you know he starts playing something, and I you know come up with the lyrics either off the top of my head or I have something written. And uh, sometimes I would, you know, be the one with the the lyrics are off the top of my head, and he'd start playing, and you know, we'd just be off to the races. So that was a very rare uh, partnership, and uh, you know, I miss it, but I, I certainly appreciate it. And uh, you know, I'm I'm so glad that we actually recorded the stuff. You're my fave. <laughs> Me and Bubba, my little brother, we listen to you every night. <laughs> Music. Is my life. You know, if we're going to talk Texas Chainsaw 2, I heard this in an interview. I believe you said that you asked Toby, and this is years after the fact, of course, you asked him what was with scratching your plate, and he had quite an interesting answer for you <laughs> that I was not expecting. Do you care to share that with the listeners? Uh, yes, absolutely. He, he turned to me and said, well, hell, Bill, that was your G-spot. And I was like, what? <laughs> and uh, that was my... That's Chopped Up's G-spot. Um, I thought it was more like, uh, you know, itching poison ivy. I mean, it's you shouldn't be doing it, but it feels so darn good. But uh, once he said that, I was, <laughs> you know, I, I laughed out loud, and I'm not sure if I would have played it differently uh, as Chopped Up if I'd known that back then. <laughs> uh, but that was... <laughs> That was a surprise. Toby was such that with so much fun. I got to say, he was. Uh, you know, we did a scene. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this quick story. We were shooting uh, uh, in the radio station. You know, back in '86, Austin, Texas. We were in. You know, some interior it was a small room. It was hot. That was back in the days of actual film in the camera, so the lights had to be very bright and they were hot. So everything was very hot and close in the little radio station set. And that's when I'm uh, banging on LG's head with a claw hammer. And I'm saying things like, time for incoming mail! You know, and I'm banging on poor LG. And I'm using a prop hammer, which was actually, you know, foam rubber with a uh, with a coat hanger wire in the center of it to keep it together. And, uh, you know, in some of the takes, I'd be banging away on poor LG, and Tom Savini would be pumping blood on LG's face and all kinds of mayhems happening. And then and Toby would cut the scene because the hammer was bent over and looked, you know, <laughs> stupid, <laughs> like a prop hammer. Uh, but, uh, you know, we probably did a bunch of takes that were good, I thought. And finally, we had just done uh, take number 12. And um, and Toby said, oh, yeah, that was that was great. Let's just try one more. And I, I looked at Toby and I said, you know, I'm a little bit exasperated. I said, Toby, am I doing something wrong? And Toby looked at me and said, hell no, Bill. I'm just having fun watching you. <laughs> And when you when, when you hear a director say something like that, you know you just gotta you know you gotta love the guy and you just you know that boy. If there was uh, you know a higher compliment, I, I haven't been paid it yet because uh, that you know that just fires you right up. I'm just having fun watching you. You know that's like <laughs> wow, that was pretty cool, and that was pretty much you know how it went through the whole Texas Chainsaw too. You know I did a lot of improv and a lot of it. Uh, Tobe just loved watching, and uh, you know Tobe was uh, you know my biggest booster, and um, that's why I think it, it comes out. You know I just had 
so much fun playing Chop Top. And, uh, you know, and I, I try to do that in all my roles. I, I try to find, you know, I try to have fun. It doesn't mean, you know, at the expense of the story or the character, but, you know, I, I like to uh, I, I like to play characters who are happy in their work, even if their work is, uh, you know, cutting people's heads off and roasting them over a uh, hibachi. <laughs> Gotta love what you do, man. Gotta love what you do. <laughs> All right, Bill. Well, thanks so much for your time, man. You have a a great time at Astronomicon 3, and come back and talk to me again, man. I shall. Thank you very much. All right. Cheers, Bill. You have a good one, boss. Thanks, Casey. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye now. Bye-bye. Part talk show, part rock show. You were listening to The Casey Ferguson Show. Well, if we were looking to hide out in the armpit of La Cucaracha next to the cunt end of nowhere, I'd say mission accomplished. That was my conversation with actor and musician Bill Mosley. There's a little bit more of that interview in the print section of CaseyFergusonShow.com should you be interested in checking that out. Should you be cruising the old interwebs, you can also keep up with all things Bill at ChopTopsBBQ.com. All right, let's blab and more stabbing. Here's a track from Bill's record with Phil Anselmo. This is Dirty Eye on the Casey Ferguson Show.
Unless you have been searching for something, I know you have. You want something that will captivate and entertain you while you found the right place. This is the Casey Ferguson Show.
darkest night Just before the break of day When you need someone To help you find a way When all is gone I'll help you carry on I will remain When all seems lost And you don't know where to turn And all the white lines On the highway blur Just call my name Let me ease the pain I will The night comes down again Don't you worry Don't you worry about a thing You're not alone Call me on the phone I will You're not alone, so call me on the phone. I will remain. Born and bred, trip and shred. You were listening to the Casey Ferguson Show. Yeah, I'm not stupid, just physically repellent and inherently unlovable. That was Colin James, I Will Remain, Silverthorn before that with Black River Rising, and kicking off that trifecta of tasty tunage from the album Songs of Darkness and Despair was Bill and Phil with Dirty Eye. As I said earlier, there's been no shortage of shenanigans at the ramshackle residence known as Motel Ferguson. For instance, a few weeks ago my place was upended because some ass jacket from pest control needed to enter the apartment to spray for bed bugs. Now I don't have bed bugs, but this had to be done for quote unquote preventative measures, according to the notice I received. 
Yeah, huh? It couldn't be that some octopus in the building already had them, could it? Furthermore, I was required to leave the apartment for at least six hours beginning in the early fucking morning. In the nearly 13 unlucky years I've lived in this garbage fire of a building, I've never once had to allow anyone access to my apartment without being able to be present. In fact, I've refused. But... This time it was a health issue, so it was going to be tough to protest, you know what I mean? Now, those of you who've been listening to this show for a while know that I hate going out. There are motherfucking vampires that get more sun than I do, for fuck's sakes. I had to clear everything away from the heaters and all the electrical outlets, which required more work than I had time for, but I did it. Begrudgingly, I fucking did it. Then I find out there will be a fire alarm testing even earlier the same morning. Hell, the best thing that could happen to this place would be a fucking five-alarm fire. Clearly, I wasn't going to get much fucking work done with all the headaches, hassles, and horse shit going on. So, I decided to stay with my pals from the Genonakwe Wrecking Crew for a few days. When I came home, my mattress was upside down, and these designer fuck-ups hadn't cracked a window to let out their toxic vapors. Guess I'll note if my dick falls off, right? Well, it could be from a variety of things, but I digress. When all was said and done, I came to find out that everyone had their apartments flipped upside down because Yelinor next door, the one with the bum liver, was the one who had the fucking bed bugs. And somehow they didn't get into her apartment to spray for the fucking things, rendering this whole exercise damn near fucking useless. For fuck's sakes, they got me hopping around like a bacon fryer at a nudist colony for sweet fuck all. You miserable rat bastards. Spray for bed bugs. Why don't you spray for a fucking clue? Jesus Christ. Try to poison me, you fucks. This is Ray on the Casey Ferguson Show. Turn your life inside out with a smile Oh yeah Why don't we be friends I promise you the world will let to make our deal Yeah, I'm for real I'll take you past a little
Hey, this is Finney McConnell from the Holmes, and you're listening to the Casey Ferguson Show. Logan, what a worry. She just look at me and say, I'm just moving. It ain't no big deal. It don't cause no pain, no pain. Swilling and tall can killing. You're listening to the Casey Ferguson Show. I don't know what this guy's vegged on, but he's ready for the salad bar. New music from Spin Doctors guitarist Eric Shankman there. No pain and Ray before that. The track is called Poison. 
Well, that's a very smooth segue, Doug, but no, I don't think you can poison yourself by eating too many snickerdoodles. I think they just call that diabetes. Where in the hell did you get a full skit of snickerdoodles anyway? Oh, Tito Mosquito got a deal on them, did he? The same Tito Mosquito that once tried to sell organs to the walk-in clinic? You're fucking right, I'm still going on about that. They were my organs. Pfft. Yeah, okay. I suppose that his extended stays in Sing Sing and Rikers were just misunderstandings, too. Doug McFly, I will hit you so fucking hard, your motherfucking blood will bleed. Are those some of the cookies he sold you there? Let's take a look here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Say, Doug, what's 2020 minus 1962? Because that's how long those snickerdoodles have been expired, Doug. Only you would eat a skid full of 58-year-old fucking cookies. <sighs> well, get your jacket on, I'll take you to the vet. I reckon I could be a while, Rapscallions. Well, I'm gone, enjoy the first part of my interview with porn star turned singer Lethal Weapons on The Casey Ferguson Show. Alright, this is Casey Ferguson, and you are listening to The Casey Ferguson Show. The lovely Lethal Weapons is on the phone. What's going on, girlfriend? What's happening? <laughs> Well, I've been working in the studio all day trying to get the song done. I just finished it. Um, it's called Where Is My Love? And it's basically a song about, you know, a lady who's like waiting around for her husband. You know, he's doing all this other crap. And she's like, where is my love? You know, you're doing this, you're doing that, whatever, whatever. What about me? So that's my seventh song going to be out this week. Outstanding. Well, actually, I think I just read that you, you've you been working on a few different songs, right? Yeah, I have two others that are nine-tenths done that'll be done in the next couple weeks, too. I, I've been writing songs for about three years, and I'm getting so much better and faster at it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I hope to have 20 songs out by the end of the year. I'm going to go to the Winter Music Conference in March. I haven't been to that in about 20 years. I think it'll be fun, though, one way or another. That's what drinks are for. Yeah. Well, you get to go to lots of shows and whatnot, so I think you have to try to be bored there. Now, uh, Letha, you're producing some music videos and stuff, too, aren't you? Yeah, I, I've done two music videos so far, and my goal basically right now is to get 10 songs and then start doing music videos again. But uh, I, I really, I this song that I just finished today, I'm so uh, hot on it. I really want to make a music video right away. And I have it all mapped out in my head. I, I do all the storyboarding and directing and everything myself. So I, I'm just hooked on the whole process. And uh, even down to the editing. I'm looking right now for uh, a really cool house. It has lots of colors and... Uh, Possibly a basketball court on the property would be great for my next video. So. Well, I wish I could help you there, but unless you're going to settle for a crappy one-bedroom apartment <laughs> <laughs> with a distinct lack in of Canada, color. Canada, where are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm in Kingston, Ontario, Canada, so I, that might be a long yeah, way to yeah. take a trip for uh, a you know long a, a shitty location. <laughs> Yeah, I have I have a country song. It's called One Guitar, and um, I'm gonna shoot that one soon too. I have a a really brilliant idea, but I, I'm not gonna tell you right now because I don't want anyone to steal my idea. But it involves like a hundred guitars. I'll, I'll put it that way for my next video. My friend has a collection of a hundred guitars. 
guitars or so, all different collector's ones, and so I'm going to incorporate that into my music video. <laughs> Outstanding. I am excited. Ow! Well, me too. I'm glad to have you here. And, uh, you know, I checked out your music video, actually, for Money, Music, and Mary Jane, and that's a fucking music video right there. If uh, if Coldplay had made that video, I would probably like Coldplay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like Coldplay? <laughs> nope. <laughs> I most certainly okay. do not. Yourself? I couldn't tell you what they sing right now. I don't know. Uh, well, Yellow was you know, their big I have, one, I think. I, I have a vast amount of knowledge of music because I, I was a dancer for 20 years in clubs. And, you know, uh, I also headlined for a few years. So I was in different clubs in different towns every week uh, all over the U.S. Canada, various other places, and so traveling and being in different kinds of places, some snooty, some country, whatever, whatever, I, I know all kinds of music. I'm also really good at puzzles, I'm really good at doing puzzles, so finally all of that has come in handy for making music videos. Good at puzzles, so you're good at putting things together. Yes, <laughs> and, and writing songs is like doing a puzzle. Totally. Totally yeah, is. It's like you, you, you have all the pieces and you got to somehow fit them in there and only you know where they go. <laughs> <laughs> and one thing I realized so much with, with creating things is that, you know, it's like originally when I did my first music video, um, I hired someone to shoot it and he was supposed to complete the music video, you know, give me a final product. And the final product that he gave me didn't really, you know, it wasn't my vision of, of what I wanted it to be. And so I asked him, could he change a couple things? And he basically like blew me off for two weeks. And finally I said, you know, if you don't want to do it, just send me the, the footage and I'll do it. You know, I'll have someone else do it or whatever. And he said to me, you know, he's like, oh, where do I send it? And then he sends it to me and I'm just like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to try to do this myself. I'm going to try to do the editing and everything myself. And so I ended up cutting the whole thing apart and putting it all together again. And I used a small portion of, of what he had done because I liked one of the special effects that he had that I didn't have. So that was how I started editing my music videos myself. I, I was forced. But now I'm so glad because I have total control, and that's how I like it. <laughs> girl. Total control of the final product, you know. I mean, I, I've even started mastering my own songs. Like before, you know, the first number of them I had someone else do, and, and so I, I'm learning more and more every day. I, I've been, like, beating myself up on this last song for days, like, you know. And then I, I finally just got, like, some really big speakers because before I was doing it out of the headset, and I'd have someone else master it. So, you know, I didn't really need some big speakers, but now I've got some really big, nice speakers that I don't have to, like, burn it to an MP3 and take it down to my car and listen to it. And, oh, damn it, I need to adjust this, go back up and, you know, whatever, whatever. So, Listeners, are you hearing this? Lethal Weapons has a great big set of speakers. Just hoping everyone's caught that. <laughs> right, right, of course. Yeah, you have a way with words. Oh, jeez. Well, yeah. oh, that's ridiculous. Well, you know, I checked out your song, I'm Yours, uh, speaking of, you know, different styles of music, and you kind of got a cabaret feel to that. Does that come from your dancing days? You know, uh, 
the the one that I just finished today really has an Amy Winehouse feel to it. I, I just when Amy Winehouse was around, I, I really loved her songs. And then when she died, I had contemplated like being a cover band and doing her songs. And then so I just decided I'm gonna write my own ones, you know. <laughs> So that's kind of the style I'm going for right now, whereas my love is uh, super duper that style. I sent it to a number of people today, and they're like, oh, that sounds like Amy Winehouse style. <laughs> like, oh, good. <laughs> I'm glad they said that without me having to tell them, you know what I mean? Yeah, when people make the connection on their own, it's better that, you know, you describe, like, well, you know, I think this has this feeling, whatever, you know, and then someone's like, ah, to me it sounds like Rick Astley or something. You're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) What up with that? Well, who who else do you like, Lisa? Well, you know, I was always a huge Prince fan. Oh, Prince to me is, uh, you know... God's greatest creation because, you know, most people, they're just singers or they're songwriters or they make the music and he did everything. He was so awesome. But I hope to just be like, you know, 50% of what he was <laughs> would be really great, you know. Um, I did lose interest in him over time, though, because he changed his style. I like his style when he was young and nasty. <laughs> then he, you know, he found religion and that all went away. So. Stupid religion ruining everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I ain't got yeah, no time for that. <laughs> well, what's your favorite Prince song? There's a song that I don't even think they sell it on iTunes, but it's called Anastasia. That's one of my favorite songs. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know if I know that one. I really like you know, the stuff he, has, he did for Batman. Yeah, that was cool. Um, did you ever hear the one he did with Kim Basinger? That was really hot. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. Scandalous sex. Indeed. Yeah, I used to have the records back in the day. I had all kinds of collector Prince records once upon a time, and sometimes I regret selling them. Did you just tell me you used to have have scandalous sex, Letha? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear Lord. Okay, here, let me pose you another... don't tell anyone. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's it's just between you and I. It's okay. No one's listening but my mother anyway. Right, okay, okay. okay, (laughs) Sorry, sorry, Mom. Let me oh, no. let me pose this question to you. What do you like in the bedroom for music? You know, some people like I'm a hard rock metal guy, but I don't always get down to that <laughs> stuff when it comes to the sweet loving. You know, what do you like to uh, uh, put on in the boudoir? Well, I guess it depends on what mood I'm in, but I've really been hooked on, um, it's a two-hour mix by Gabriel and Dresden, and I listen to that a lot when I'm participating in happy fun time. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sweetest way to put sex I think, I think so I've ever heard. My, my friend Joe calls it happy fun time, and I just think it's so funny. So <laughs> I normally would say getting jiggy, but, you know. Oh, getting uh, jiggy with it. No, 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 no. Yeah, so, you know, sometimes, you know, jazz or, I don't know, just whatever. I like music as a whole. I, I appreciate music, so... You know, a lot of people, they say, oh, I don't like this, and I don't like that, and I only like whatever, whatever. I don't like anything that sounds good, and I'm pretty open-minded, as you might have known. 
I definitely picked up on this fact. I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm, I love everything <laughs> from, from, you know, classical to jazz to the hardest of metal and whatnot as well. But I don't know. I just, I, I yeah. would find it very difficult to get down to, once again, say Rick Astley. <laughs> you know, I just don't see myself I having sex with that. I don't know what Rick that. Astley sings, so that's probably not in my Oh, that's, he, he does that, you know, never gonna give you up, never gonna let you oh, down. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Make <it stop. laughs> yeah, right? It's like I don't want to get no. down to that. What? Yeah, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. I definitely wouldn't want to get jiggy to that. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone out there is getting jiggy to Rick Astley, please send me an email because I want to have a word with you. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. Yeah, so I can point and laugh. Oh, dear Lord. Now, Letha, I wanted to ask you about your time on Married with Children, because it's absolutely one of my favorite shows. I was wondering about your experience on, on that set. You know, did you have a good time? What, uh, you know, what was going on there? Uh, it was very exciting, me being there <laughs> for the people <laughs> who worked there. Oh, I um, don't doubt that. Ed O'Neill O'Neil was quite fond of me and uh, was often chatting it up with me and got me into his office one day and, you know, I don't know, something might have happened. Oh. <laughs> and uh, anyway, the son was always talking to me and, and his friend, but I, I didn't pursue it. it. You know, it wasn't, they were nice people, but I wasn't interested, I guess you would say. <laughs> wow. um, I mean, the kid's character is the, you know, Bud Bundy who can't get laid with a fistful of 50s in a whorehouse. So, I mean, it's not exactly pure panty peeler. Yeah, I I don't know. I guess, you know, he he plays a believable character. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, they're they're nice people. I I, I don't want to dog them. The director was hot to trot on me and nothing came of that either. But Ed O'Neill, he used to call me regularly on the phone, and I don't know, he he would ask me a lot of, you know, questions that, a lot of questions about the business, and one thing or another, I just got to the point where uh, I changed my phone number. (laughs) You changed your phone number because of Al Bundy? uh, It was probably one of the reasons. (laughs) Uh, When I... When I lived in L.A. back in the day, I mean, that was when I was 20 years old. That was a long time ago. You know, there was no caller ID. So if the wrong person got your number and they kept calling all the time, like, you had to change your phone number. Otherwise, you know, uh, you have to talk to them because they keep calling, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I've had the same number now for forever. 20 years, probably. But when I lived in L.A., I changed my number about every three months. Well, probably not a bad practice. That's, uh, you know, it's a weird town, right? Yeah, definitely. I wanted to bring up another TV appearance, Letha. I saw a little clip. You were on Jenny Jones back in the day. It was sort of like a Revenge of the Geeks thing or whatever, and there was this the guy bully, on there. The bully, the bully thing. Yeah, like, was that legit? Yeah, did this guy really... Good. Oh, okay, I was going to say. No, I was like, did this no, guy really give you a hard time? That was my first husband, actually. And the, the show that guy? Me, like, really? He was my first husband, yeah. Yeah, the, the show would call me all the time, and they would beg me to come on, and I'd say, you know, I mean, I was touring at the time, and I was making a lot of money as a headliner, like, you know, I was booked six days a week and traveled on the seventh day, and they would call me, and they'd say, oh, can you come on the show? And I'd say, well, 
you know, I have a booking, you know, anyway, basically I made them pay me, they pay me $500 to go on the show and, you know, I'd have to take off a whole week from touring. So I, I didn't go on as often as they wanted. They wanted me on there like all the time. And I said, why do you people keep calling me all the time? And they say, well, you're a channel stopper and you, you have a lot of charisma and whatever, whatever. And do you know anyone who, who looks like you? And I say, no. And then, yeah, I'm know, just going to so give my fucking job like, away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I would say, you know, don't you have anyone else you can call? And and so anyway, I, I went on there a bunch of times for a stupid little shit or whatever. And that, that thing was bullies or whatever. And that was my husband. So it was all just bullshit. No, no, nobody bullied me in school. Well, one girl tried. And I punched her in the stomach. And that was the end of it. Got a girl. Leave <laughs> the like weapons. Bring in the, the thunder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, she was a rotten, ugly girl, you know, and, and her and her friend didn't like me because my hair was long and I was pretty, I guess, and, and they would sit behind me and pull my hair. One day I got up and I, I let one of them have it, so. That a girl. See, I don't know. I liked it when girls pulled my hair, but I guess it was a whole different thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you got to grab a chunk of it to, if you're going to do it like that, you know, for fun. <laughs> You can't just pull a few strands. That's, like, no good. <laughs> no, no, that's not going to do. <laughs> well, right, so whenever I would be on their show, you know, they would tell me, don't tell anyone that we're paying you. So then, you know, always someone would come up like, oh, hi, um, do you know if we're getting paid for this, uh, how much we're getting paid? I said, oh, no, they don't They don't pay anything, they told me. And then they go, oh, okay. Like, you're, you're seriously going to, like, fly across the country or whatever, and, like, you don't even know if you're getting paid? Some people are fucking stupid. They just want to be on TV, right? I mean, look at Jerry I Springer. I mean, and I guess they, they didn't they, pay. They're going to air your dirty laundry. No, I don't think they do pay him. Oh, Jesus. See? Well, there we go. Like, how stupid do you have to be? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Jerry Springer was was in the same building as the Jimmy Jones show. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, a long time ago. And then I think Jerry Springer moved. But I used to watch Jerry Springer religiously for, like, 13 years oh it's a fucking train wreck how could you not right i i don't know i i doubt it he's he's got to be getting up there i mean he wasn't exactly a young man then uh i used to have a boyfriend that referred to him as a troll you know because he has those moles on his nose or whatever i guess (laughs) (laughs) poor guy i love i love to show I, I didn't like, though, when it started to be too much fighting, you know? Like, if they're just fighting and then they're bleeping out everything they say, you don't know what the hell's going on. I don't want to see people fight, but, you know, them ripping off wigs and one thing or another. It's pretty funny. Well, it did get to a point there where it didn't matter what the theme was because no one was talking anyway. It was just, like, fists flying and, like you said, like, wigs pulling and that's people hair extensions. Like, I want to hear it. I want to hear what people have to say because that's what's funny. If they're just throwing fists, you know, it's like stupid. Well, it's like a, a talk show, a talk show with no talk. <laughs> you know, it's, like, <laughs> right. it's like more like an action I movie. You know? there was, yeah, there was no plot. You know, <laughs> it's like a fucking Van Damme movie. I'm going, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> so ridiculous. Yeah. Letha, speaking of ridiculous things, I got to ask you about this because I'm just beyond curious because you were in the uh, John Wayne Bobbitt uncut porno. Yeah, there, yeah. And 
I don't get it, man. Why? I understand that, you know, there was uh, money to be made and like people seeing his dick and all that. But I mean, were you weirded out about doing that whole thing? Like, I know you, the scene I saw, at least you, you were just giving well, him know, head or whatever. So, but it, uh, Well, Ron Jeremy was my friend and, you know, Ron, he does stand up now and he's always been funny and he calls me out of the blue and he says, I'm going to be shooting a porno with John Bobbitt, you know, the guy got his dick cut off and I want you to be in it. And I was like, <laughs> is this a joke? <laughs> yeah, you're fucking with you me, know? right? And he's like, no, no, this is serious. It's really going to happen, whatever, whatever. Anyway, so I ended up agreeing to it. <clears throat> I get to the set that day and John Bobbitt, he's just, he's like pent up animal energy. I don't know how else to explain it except that. He's very, like, distracted-minded, it seems like. You know what I mean? Like, you would expect someone who was, like, in jail to be, like, a pent-up animal. Anyway, you know, I walk up to him, and I was like, hi. You know, I'm all decked out with my big old titties, whatever, whatever. And I walk up to him, like, hi, I'm Lisa, this and that. And he goes, it's not right to mutilate someone's body. (laughs) And uh, I'm just like, uh, well, I... I, I know, uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm not going to do anything to hurt you, uh, <laughs> and then, you know, he... Hell, you might even just, like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, his, his people, I think, don't really understand how they put his dick back together kind of thing, you know what I mean? Like, yes, they sewed his dick back on the skin, but for whatever reason, they didn't sew the inside part back on. And so he had to have an implant in there. And it was really like about an inch or an inch and a half of his, his leftover dick that would get hard. And the implant was not hard. The porn manager, company guy, whatever, he said that they had to shoot something into his dick, you know, right before to make it work or whatever. So it was, you know, it was very odd. That really, you know, only the bottom part got hard and then the rest was kind of squishy or whatever. And one of the girls, you know, in the scene with me, she tried to (laughs) do whatever. And, you know, Ron wanted him to, like, you know, fuck a dude or (laughs) like, you know, do an anal scene. And then he was like, uh, his shit might fall off. We can't do that. You know, (laughs) it's just not, it's not strong enough. You know, poor guy. He he was very unique. I will say. Well, I you know I, I wish him well. <laughs> I don't. I, I mean, you know, you know, it's fucked up. No matter what you did, have your dick cut off, you know, by somebody that's wrong. So. Well, look, yeah, it's fucked that he got his fucking dick cut off. But you know, from what I gather of reading about the case and you know this or that, he was like punching her out and he's punched out a couple other partners since then and whatever so you know he's a fucking woman beaten fucking you know i could i could totally see that in his personality but we went on um it was like jenny jones or geraldo or one of these shows with the the john wayne bobbit thing and this one girl she claimed she was pregnant by him did you see that one no i don't Um, think i saw i don't remember which one it was 
But so this blonde girl, you know, it's all like a publicity stunt. She was trying to get attention out of it. She was screwing the, you know, the porn company owner, whatever, whatever. And then, you know, she comes out and says that she's pregnant. And then this other lady comes out that John knows that he takes off running towards her like he's going to go beat her fucking ass. And then it was like, he realizes at the last second, like, oh, shit, I'm on TV. Wait a minute. You know, and, 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 and everybody noticed it. You know what I mean? What? Like, like he got up and ran over there, like like oh I'm gonna beat this, you know I'm about to beat this out. <laughs> Real sharp guy, real sharp guy. Dumb motherfucker. Oh Jesus <laughs> Christ! Well, I was, yeah, I'm watching that. I'm watching that scene, Letha, because you know I had to. I had to do my research, of course. So I'm always seen <laughs> the the scene with uh, with with John Wayne Bobbitt there, and, oh, and like you're working on him, and uh, one of the other girls is working on him. And I'm going like, how is this guy not hard as fuck right now? We're blowing fucking man mustard everywhere because. I'm like that, you know. Well, these two, girls, uh, yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I guess maybe it fucking doesn't work. But you know, at that point, I'm like, how yeah. do you how do you make a, a a porno out of that? And Ron did, I guess, you know, the best he could there. If anyone could pull it off, it's Ron Jeremy. But I'm going like, fuck, why even shoot this? Like the the guy's fucking dick don't work. It's like a one legged man in yeah. an ass kicking competition here. You know? <laughs> right. Well, you know, it had that Frankenstein appeal. And and frankly, I mean, if you're a man, why would you want to see what a man's dick cut off looks like? Oh, great. Yeah, that turns me on. Oh, I really want to see that. Lisa. You know I mean, who the fuck is going to jerk off to that? We're not that bright. Like That's why. Like a novelty. <laughs> yeah. Like a novelty item. Like... <laughs> Like, you just buy it just to say you had it, you know? <laughs> oh, totally. Well, it wasn't like the, yeah, I want to check it out and jerk off. It's, you know, you're just like, man, that's got to, I bet that's fucked up. <laughs> you know, like, it's like a... Uh, well, it's almost like, what's the point in having hot bitches in there when, you know, it's like, you might as well put some ugly chicks in there because that's who he would have got for real. And it was all about looking at his, you know, his Frankenstein wee-wee. Well, yeah, I would like to at least be able to suspend disbelief and go, you know what? I I think John Wayne Bobbitt could uh, could get these chicks. I'm going like, no, no, no. He does. This guy doesn't have yeah. a fucking shot. <laughs> it's like he's got he's maybe got less of a shot than I do, and that's fucking saying something. <laughs> anyway, probably a lot less. Sorry, the phone was cutting out a little bit there. It's okay. Mine or yours? Both, maybe. I don't know. I, I thought I lost you for a sec there. <laughs> I hope I'll never lose you, Letha. <laughs> don't lose me. Oh, shut Part talk show, part rock show. You were listening to the Casey Ferguson show. Yeah, but he's such a dork. No, he's not. I think he's a fox. A fox? That was the first part of my interview with porn star turned singer Letha Weapons. She's got really big thingies. Stay tuned. Another couple handfuls of Letha still to come and an update on Doug McFly, who is still at the vet's. Apparently they have to run some tests, so it looks like he's going to be there a while. I don't know about you, Rapscallions, but I could use a fucking beer. But since I don't have any fucks lying around, I guess I'll just have the beer. I see what you did there. Why, thanks for noticing, Mary. Yes, I reckon a tall red fox would be very nice right now. Of course, a pint wouldn't suck either. Yeah, we get the joke, and it wasn't funny either time. Why don't you take a flying fuck at a rolling donut? Fine, you fucking sourpuss. Shout out to McKinnon Brothers Brewing for the delicious Red Fox Ale. It is, after all, the official, the official beer, beer of the Casey, of the Casey Ferguson, Ferguson Show. 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 Say, Mary, you know what would pair well with this beer? A mouthful of shut the fuck up. Close. And you're full of lethal weapons. This is I'm Yours on the Casey Ferguson Show.
Lisa Wilcox from Nightmare on Elm Street 4 and 5, here on the Casey Ferguson Show. And you know you are one major league hunk. I can't say if it was just your skin. Oh, this lonely life I've been living in. Mm-hmm. But there's an ache I feel that I did not before. I lay down with you behind this hotel door. It's not like I ever had a way with love. Wasn't love I was breathing when the sun came up So I jumped out of bed Before anyone but the sun could see Just in case there was something more to that
everybody. Kevin Mark from Candlebox here. You're listening to The Casey Ferguson Show. Done with the lip, not the hip. You're listening to the Casey Ferguson Show. Don't cry, we can still be friends. <laughs> what? I'm sorry, it's the only thing I know to say when someone cries around here. Richmond, Virginia's own frames there with Stay. Sandra Bosa before that with Hotel Door, and at the top of that set of sexy and supple songs was Lethal Weapons with I'm Yours. Speaking of whom, let's get back to my conversation with the amply amazing and amazingly ample Lethal Weapons. I asked Letha who she most enjoyed working with in the days of her porn past. This is what she had to say. This is the second and final part of my conversation with Lethal Weapons on the Casey Ferguson Show. Probably my favorite guy 
they called him English John. He had a big old big on. <laughs> and he was he was very very nice with his cute accent or whatever. I like accents on guys. As a matter of fact, I hear your accent. I used to spend a lot of time in Canada. I used to headline all over Canada as a special attraction in clubs. Well, I think maybe you should make a comeback and pay me a visit in Kingston. Uh, what, what is Kingston near? Is it closer to Toronto or Yeah, probably about two, two and a half hours from Toronto. Okay. I love Toronto. I, I was trying to go back up there a while back ago. I could just call the club owner. I haven't called in a while, but I was thinking about it. Do you you still go around dancing here or there? Or? Not in a lot of years. I, I quit dancing um, about eight years ago. I was a dancer for 20 years. But the clubs, you know, they're all run by people who value their bottom line more than their employees or whatever they want to call us. You know, it's like... <laughs> People who, a lot of the people who work for the clubs, you know, they, they wouldn't have a good job in their life unless they stuck around for all these years and now they're, you know, they're running everything. And if the owner doesn't run their own business in, in any business, you're just expecting it to run into the ground, you know? Nobody's going to care about your stuff as much as you do. Yeah, I guess that's what my horoscope meant when it said kaboom. I actually picked up Jenna Jameson's book a little while ago. What the hell is it called now? Oh, it's right beside me here. Yeah, How to, how to Make Love wrote, Like a Porn I, I Star. Wrote, right, is, is the whole thing about that? Oh, no, it, it's actually, it's, it's just like a, a biography or whatever, but I came to this part and she's talking about, I believe she was talking to a, a male lead from, from porn, and uh, I guess, like, I don't know, I've never been on a porn set, so I don't know, but according to this book, male porn stars often do something strange to, like, keep themselves from coming, from, like, pinching themselves or like smacking themselves in the face uh, or hit, hitting themselves in the balls or something like have you seen any of this weird oh shit go God. on is that have you witnessed no. any of this? well no. maybe they're, maybe they're full of shit maybe it's like jenny jones <laughs> oh my god i mean you know i i did 70 or 80 scenes whatever it was i i never saw anything weird like that you know sometimes people would be like oh, oh uh I, I need a break just give me a minute give me a minute you know stuff like that but you know maybe they were on drugs hard <laughs> medicine or something <laughs> yeah they had too much cough medicine that day they were all all tussed up they got all fucked up on robitussin <laughs> <laughs> well who knows what the fuck anybody's on <laughs> no so i'm i'm with you man it's like some some days you meet some people and you're just like i don't even know what that is like, I don't know what that looks like. Yeah. <laughs> there's like a, a plethora, there's a cocktail going on there that I can't identify. Yeah, yeah. Why did you get out, Letha? Why did you get out of porn? It's a terrible business. There's no money in it, you know? And I was one of the higher paid people, which is disgusting. I mean, they pay you nothing. And then, you know, it's forever and ever in the world. And when I started doing movies, like the internet didn't even really exist. It was like something that is start, was starting to come into being. And so it was never part of the formula. You know, if, if I knew then what I know now, you know, I, I, I don't know what I would have done. I would have had to have some kind of better deal. But in real movies, like they give you royalties and stuff. And then in porn movies, they don't give you anything. They just jack you. I mean, I become more famous every day. And I don't even have to do anything because of the Internet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah, sure enough, yeah. 
all this shit that's out there that's never going to go away. And it's like, I always seem to find relationships where people are like, oh, I hate that everyone can look up stuff of you on the internet. Oh, well, you better get over that real quick. (laughs) It's not going anywhere. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just going to take it all back right now so that you're happy. (laughs) Just for you. (laughs) For fuck's sakes. Well, I wanted to ask you about that because I've heard that the whole dating thing within porn or even after porn is just a complete nightmare because everyone thinks they want to go out with a porn star and then can't handle it or whatever. Right. Well, that does create problems, you know, for people. Definitely. They want the package, but they can't really handle the content of, you know, everything that, I mean, I'm just like everybody else, loving, uh, hardworking, nurturing, whatever, whatever. But, you know, I, I still partake in a alternative business. Well, I mean, I could use a little nurturing. I'm just saying. I'm throwing it out there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you better catch a plane. Yeah, right. (laughs) I'll head out there to Tirana, as we like to to call it here in Canada. Yeah. See, now I'm playing up the accent. Yeah, now I'm I'm playing up the accent. No, do the boot it. You know, playing up the accent. But (laughs) see, it's funny that you mentioned the accent thing because I've had a few other people mention that. And of course, when you're from a certain place or whatever, you you go, Well, I don't have an accent. I don't talk funny. You you have an accent. I don't have an accent. (laughs) Well, we both have an accent because we speak differently. So it's all, you know. Sure. Well, we all Uh have an accent, is the the truth of it. But it's. No, I know, but to, to you, uh, I have an accent, and to me, you have an accent, so, because we're not from the same place or whatever. Well, hey, you like accents, so I'll play it up, you know, whatever you want me to, whatever you want me to do, lass. See, now I'm going Irish with it. Well, but. you sound more like you're Irish now. I'm mostly Irish. Oh, there we go. Well, I'm Irish, I, English, and German. Green eyes. Where's me fucking shillelagh? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, What's just, a shillelagh? Uh, it's like what the fuck is that? It's like one of those fucking whooping sticks that those old Irishmen used to carry around. They give whoopings to their women, or what? Well, I I don't think it's exclusively women. I think it was you know just basically anybody who was getting a whooping. <laughs> I don't think there was like a a, a a gender destination for the uh, the shillelagh ass whooping. <laughs> uh. Any questions? Uh, for uh, how do we get porn? <laughs> Tell us where we can find you online. Lovelethaweapons.com, L-O-V-E-L-E-T-H-A-W-E-A-P-O-N-S.com, <laughs> lovelethaweapons.com. At Letha underscore weapons is the Twitter? Yes. There we go. I don't I don't use the, the Twitter. I don't do the tweeting, the twattering, the whatever you do on that. What thing. do you do? I got Facebook, but it's, I just have a business page. Like, I don't have any personal social media stuff. Like, I just, yeah. I'm one of those, like, uh, well, I don't know. I'm a solitary guy. I'm working on this show all the time. It's like, basically, unless it's business, I hate to say it, but, uh, you know, I just don't really bother too much. I mean, I'll see the occasional friend for a drink or something. But other than that, you know, maybe go out for some food. But I don't care what people are eating for dinner, posting that shit online. (laughs) You know, if anything, I'm just going to get jealous. Unless you're famous. I mean, which sounds like you're getting there. Are you famous? You are. (laughs) I'm infamous, perhaps. Oh, yeah, me too. I'm not sure. I've been accused. I've been accused of being infamous. (laughs) The, The infamous lethal weapons. I like the sound of that. Yeah. 
Well, uh, I suppose, unfortunately, we're going to have to part ways here shortly. But, uh, Letha, I wanted to ask you, because Valentine's Day is coming up here. I'm not really big on it, but uh, I, I feel bad because, like I said, I'm quite a quite a solitary guy. I don't get out there. You know, I like to say I'm single and ready to mingle, but not so much. I uh, I don't have a Valentine. Are you going to be my Valentine? <laughs> oh, lovey-dovey, of course. Oh, shucks. Look at that. This show is paying off already. It, it only took seven years, but <laughs> Lethal Weapons is my is my Valentine. Life is good here on the Casey Ferguson Show. Hey! Ow, ow! Well, all right. I'll be expecting all kinds of things in the mail from you soon, then. There we go. Well, uh, what, what, what can I send you? Do you want me to send you... Uh, I can send you a Casey Ferguson Show shirt. Do you want one of those? Okay. Outstanding. What's uh, now? <laughs> this becomes a little bit complicated because, given your um, endowments, shall we say, uh, what will get over the girls? What'll what'll fit you? Let's say medium. Are they stretchy? Uh, well, I don't know that they're that stretchy. <laughs> it's, 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 they're 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 stretchy, but I, you know, you're you're uh, you got well, quite a bit I'll going cut, on up I'll there. Cut holes. Oh, I'll cut holes if need be. Now we're talking. Now I got to see this. I can, <laughs> I don't. I guess I can try to send you medium or I or a large or whatever, and then if it doesn't work, you can just send it back to me, or I'll send you another one, and you can give the other one away. Use it for uh, that other bullshit holiday Christmas, or well, most of them are bullshit. But you know. <laughs> oh right, I love regifting. <laughs> yeah, well, why not? Right? I mean, it's a Casey Ferguson show shirt. Someone will probably you know use it for kindling Everybody or something. Wants- but- that. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. My 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 mom's got a closet full of them. She's still trying to get rid of them. <laughs> I bet. I bet. It's like, oh god, if, if people would only listen to my son's show, I would be stuck with all this junk. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> oh dear lord, Letha, you're an absolute doll. I'd love to have you come back and talk to me again sometime. Yeah, keep in touch. All right. Well, happy Valentine's Day, lover. <laughs> Part talk show, part rock show. You were listening to The Casey Ferguson Show. Sometimes when I think about coming home to you, I start crying in my car. (laughs) That was the second and final part of my conversation with the jubilant and jiggly, wiggly and giggly Lethal Weapons. A.K.A. my valentine. Aw, yeah. Give it up. You'd be eating alone in a women's prison. Once again, for all things Letha, hit up lovelethalweapons.com or find her on Twitter at Letha underscore weapons. Anyone want to help me pick some strawberries? Nope. But I'll give you a hand with those melons. Talking about her boobs. You guys get me, right? Yeah, we do, brother. (laughs) Don't worry, maniacs. It appears as though my roommate and confidant, Doug McFly, will live to annoy me another day. Apparently, between Doug's substantial girth and the amount of preservatives in such cheaply produced food, he was able to narrowly avoid death and escape with only severe indigestion, explosive diarrhea, mild hallucinations, cold sweats, tinnitus, reduced depth perception, occasional paralysis, and a black eye. Yeah, the shiner was me, a snickerdoodle inhaling Lemmix. It was a receipt for the time you bit me in the trapezius while I was doing a fucking interview, you remember that? How do you like me now? There are no lawn gnomes in here except for me, Doug. Go hallucinate in your own room. <laughs> Going to get back to the music here with a double shot of Kingston Homebrew. Would you like a drink? I know I would. Yeah. 
First up is the return of the Casey Ferguson Show acoustic session with my old pal Logan Brown, who recorded an acoustic rendition of Dio's metal classic, Holy Diver, specifically for this year podcast. Brand new music from Sweet Talk Jackie to follow as well, so fill your glass, let's kick some ass. This is Logan Brown with Holy Diver on the Casey Ferguson Show. Diver, you've been down too long in the midnight sea. What's becoming of me? Ride the tiger, you can see his stripes, but you know he's clean. Oh, don't you see what I mean? You gotta get away, holy diver. Diamonds like the eyes of a cat in the black and blue. Something is coming for you. Rest for the morning. You can hide in the sun till you see the light. Oh, we will pray. It's alright. Gotta get away. Get away. Gotta get away. Get away. The truth that's hard to see The vision never dies Life's a never-ending wheel Holy diver, you're the star of the masquerade No need to look so afraid Jump, jump Jump on the tiger, you can feel his heart, but you know he's mean. Some light will never be seen.
get away. You gotta get away. Get away. You gotta get away. Get away. Holy diver. Soul survivor. In the middle coming after you, holy diver. Now, holy diver. Holy diver. Gotta get away, get away, get away, holy diver. Rock Johnny Cash. He's Black Bart meets Mad Max. He's Captain Hook. A little bit of cowboy, a little bit of metal, a little bit of rock and roll. He would be the perfect description of like my dream dude for sure. You're listening to the Casey Ferguson Show. I was born 
Making you wonder and bringing the thunder. You were listening to the Casey Ferguson Show. Is no draft in here? No. That was me blowing in your ear. Oh. <laughs> From the brand new album, 3375, that was Sweet Talk Jackie with August Burns, and before that was Logan Brown with an acoustic rendition of Dio's Holy Diver. A track specifically recorded for this podcast, so if you want to hear it again, you'll either have to re-listen to this show or go check Logan out live. For all upcoming tour dates and all things Logan, head to loganbrownmusic.com. My final guest on this episode of the Casey Ferguson Show is Cole LeBlanc, lead vocalist of the band you just heard, Sweet Chalk Jackie. He killed a kid when he was in reform school and shit, and he was like... Got even harder when he was there, and he stole cars, and he has a 9 millimeter. Cole and I will discuss the band's new album, The Dark Side of Social Media, and more. Let's light it up and burn it down. This is my conversation with Cole LeBlanc on The Casey Ferguson Show. All right, this is Casey Ferguson, and you are listening to The Casey Ferguson Show. Cole LeBlanc from Sweet Talk Jackie is on the phone. Cole, I think the last time we crossed paths was at Rock and Rock on Howe Island last summer. How you doing, man? Oh, How are you, man? Oh, shit, I'm fucking hanging in there. You know, got away from Motel Ferguson for a little bit. I'm up here in scenic Gananoque, Ontario, living the dream. Good way up there, eh? <laughs> You got it, man. So, yeah, that Rock in the Rock, that was quite the show, right? Yeah, that was a cool little party they had. It almost reminded me of, like, a backyard field party, but bigger. <laughs> Indeed, sir. Well, hopefully they got you guys playing this year. I, uh, I love to see you guys at that venue. It was just a really... Uh, Really great party all around, but uh, a little sweet talk Jackie could up the ante a little bit. Yeah, for sure, hopefully. So, David, if you're listening to this show, have sweet talk Jackie rocking the rock this year. Also, White Snake, just saying. It could happen, Cole. It could happen. <laughs> <laughs> Well, anyway, man, you got this new record coming out. Tell me, like, when did you guys start writing for this record, and what was the recording process on this thing? I started writing, say, like three years ago would be the start of the writing, and then that kind of continued on for about a year. Demoed it out last Christmas, like, around that area. And we started, like, recording the actual things, I guess, through the drums last February. About a year later, we're about to release it. There you go. So you've been sitting on this material for a while. Are you sick of hearing it yet? Yes and no. Like, it's kind of nice because it, it was long, but there was a lot of, like, changes that happened in the songs through the time, you know, in time. Like, by the time we did the drums, we did the drums in that metal work fitness dog there. And then we uh, came back here and we were working with Terry Ben at his studio, doing everything else. And then we ended up getting a little carried away with some extra instrumentation and whatnot. So it was nice to see, like, everything evolve into something a bit bigger than just, like, Playing. We're hoping we can uh, rise to the occasion on the live shows, but we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Excellent. Well, yeah, speaking of Terry Ben, man, it must be cool working with a producer like Terry, because, of course, <laughs> a, a, you know, a great musician in his own right. I've known Terry since he was the front man of a dying race going way back to, you know, the kind of old Kingston punk scene here, and uh, certainly a talented guy in his own right. What uh, what did Terry bring to the project? He had a lot of good, uh, lot of good points, just on little stuff, like just, you know, ways you can deliver parts a few little arrangement things too like the biggest thing like when we first were talking about getting him to be like the actual producer on it was the best part was just having another set of ears that hadn't heard the songs repetitively for a long time over and over again so <laughs> nice to have someone be like oh that's not quite as cool as you guys think or that's really cool like you know good to have but uh, it's, it's like a moral support almost but it's also someone that'll tell you when you're screwing up <laughs> absolutely i hear about all kinds of that shit cole it's like people are like casey you know you're not as fucking cool as you think and i'm like oh well don't you know who i think i am you know 
<laughs> oh man well i noticed certainly a, a darker tone on this record a, a heavier record for you guys so i was wondering i mean i haven't heard the whole album yet but you sent me a few singles and i was wondering if that came out of you know listening to some heavier bands or just that's just how the songs came out a little bit of both like steve's always been like pretty big into metal so like we kind of i think like the longer we're a band we fall into each other's influences a little bit more so like i know steve's always been into heavy stuff like i i've been into heavy stuff but i'm like a mainstream metal guy like i'm like lamb of god slipknot you know a bit of protest the hero and stuff like that mainstream stuff but um you know i think it was just sometimes you just gotta evolve into something different or whatever you're feeling at the time like if i come up with a cool riff and i'm messing around and drop the I'm not going to throw away that cool riff just because it's in drop key. I'm probably just going to roll with it. And I think that's just kind of what happened with a lot of these tunes. Well, I got to say, man, really digging the new direction and really love the tracks that you sent me. And what are your plans for touring this thing? Are you guys going to get out and hit the road pretty heavy with this one? Or We're going to try to. I, I, right now, we're kind of in the talks of the whole strategy of how we're going to do this with the band. Especially, like, uh, right now we're all working, so it's more making sure we can get out on weekends and plan it, you know, so I can hit I can hit Ottawa and then Montreal on the same weekend and not have to do Ottawa, then go back to Toronto. So it's more just getting organized and learning how to actually put a tour together for us. But we're definitely going to try and hit as many shows as possible, especially in the summer once it gets a bit warmer. Excellent. Well, I mean, I'd like to see you guys out there more. I mean, I know you, you gig at everything, but you're one of those bands. I, you know, honestly, I'll go on record here and say, you know, you're my favorite Kingston band to come out in years, man. So I'd love to see you guys out there gigging more. And of course, you fucking bar owners out there pay these fucking guys so that they can continue to make records and, you know, get them playing your bar, man. We like hearing them. I'll come see us. So, I mean, that's really all that matters in the end. You know, they're like, oh, well, Casey Ferguson says it's okay, you know. <laughs> You know, because I just, I have that much stroke, Cole, you know. <laughs> you <didn't> on that. <laughs> so, you bar owners out there, you fucking get it together, get these guys to come play your place, and pay them well, because they're, they're well worth the dollar. And, Cole, I wanted to ask you, because I'm going to spin uh, August Burns here, uh, I was hoping you'd tell me a little bit about the writing process of that track, and what it's about, and what it means to you. Um, that song's actually funny, yeah, that was a... Uh... That was the first song that kind of that came out a bit heavier that like I kind of wrote it brought it to the guys and they made it a bit heavier but uh when I wrote that song uh I read an article in Rolling Stone about the uh, adult actress August Ames and how she killed herself and uh basically the, the gist of it was she was supposed to do a shoot with uh, a guy that was doing gay porn or something and uh I don't know she she put something on Twitter that wasn't necessarily politically correct or it was a, it wasn't a smart thing to put on Twitter but the backlash from it was uh pretty nasty and she unfortunately she ended up uh, I think she hung herself in a park by her parents place or something she committed suicide and I don't know I, I read that article and then immediately just wrote that song after based on that because I just thought that was just a, a brutal place for anybody to be in that's kind of the, the main storyline behind that song and then you know Amen, sir. Well, I mean, it's we're really just starting to see a lot of the the effects of social media now on people, and there have been a number of suicides, and of course, you know, bullying's a huge thing, cyberbullying, and you know, hopefully, uh, those things continue to get worked out, and there will be less and less of that because it's it's horrible to see that you know people are ending their lives over you know social media. It's uh, <laughs> I guess part of the reason why I'm not on it. I just you know I can't deal with the bullshit. There's just you know there's too.
too much and everybody's got an opinion and I don't think we're meant to take in so much information, you know, and especially when things go in a negative direction like that, you know, there's just too much coming in. Like you can't, a guy like the, the porn star you're talking about, you know, so you probably just couldn't really catch your breath. Oh yeah. And I think like for a lot of people too, it's like, instead of just like having an actual adult conversation or debate about something, it's like people have this idea that it's like you see something differently, like you're wrong, I'm right, let's burn the witch. That shouldn't be the way things are worked out. We should talk things out, educate each other, but don't do it in such a negative way where it's, it's literally just a witch hunt. And I don't know what you call it. It's like that moral, uh, I don't know, when people put their opinions up just to make themselves feel better, whether it's really strong, right or wrong. It's like there's like a moral uh, compass there that's not like a natural thing and it doesn't seem quite right the way people go about it. I concur. Well, <laughs> since we're giving such a uh, scathing indictment of social media, where can we find Sweet Talk Jackie online, man? Uh, you can go uh, follow us on Facebook. You can go to our website, www.sweettalkjackie.com, uh, Instagram, Twitter, pretty much everywhere. I don't think we have SoundCloud, but Spotify, iTunes, uh, any streaming service, you can check our music out. Come to the, the CD release party on uh, February 29th. We'll be there. You can pick up a physical CD, too, if you want. Yeah, otherwise than that, that's just uh, look for us around town, look for our name up on signs, and we'll be around. Outstanding. Well, that is at the Blue Martini, your CD release, of course. Yes, sir. Outstanding. Well, sir, good to catch up with you. I'll certainly try to swing by if, if I can swing it, but if I don't see you, congratulations on the new album, and I look forward to hearing some more of those tracks, and I hope you guys get out there touring, as I said, once again, if you're a, uh, a bar owner out there in Canada or even the States, you know, I suppose you guys might end up getting the passport thing together, and, you know, get a, get a hold of these guys, get them to come rock your establishment. Cole, like I said, it's great talking to you, and congrats, man. This is really, uh, from what I've heard, the tracks are great, and I think you guys are really moving in the right direction so congratulations and uh thanks for being on the show again yeah thank you man thanks for having me out sure thing giant beer part talk show part rock show you were listening to the casey ferguson show it's simple without being charming i'm struggling to find the words i hated it but i wasn't interested in it enough to listen to it again to find out why that was my conversation with sweet talk jackie's lead vocalist and guitarist extraordinaire cole leblanc i wanted to tell you you have the biggest dick i've ever seen on a man thanks for a list of shows or to pick up some of sweet talk jackie's music hit up sweettalkjackie.com rapscallions i never should have mentioned her name at the start of the show she must have heard me she's back she's whack my dear listeners i give you the return of crackhead chrissy i'm gonna suck my fucking boot it's not yours yeah now fucking i want to move. i don't care show you to me Hold on, did she just say she wanted to fuck her own pussy? Look, I know the quality isn't great considering she was on the other side of a wall with music blaring and such, but I think that's what she said. Let's listen again. I'm gonna fuck my pussy, boo. It's not yours. Yeah, now fucking I want to, boo. I don't care. Don't you do me? I don't give a fuck. Well, there's one tune that could use a remix. It could go something like this.
On that romantic note, I think I'm going to head on down the road. Somewhere far enough away from this place to maintain what little semblance of sanity I have left. We have places your family can hide in peace and security. Cape Fear, Terror Lake, New Horror Field, Screamville. Ooh, Ice Creamville. Uh, no, Screamville. Thank you to my guests, Bill Mosley, Lethal Weapons, and Cole LeBlanc. Thank you to the bands and the reps for the killer cuts. Thank you to my sponsors, and of course, thank you for listening. Lamb of God guitarist Mark Morton will play us out. The track is called All I Had to Lose. Remember, only a struggle twists sentimentality and lust together into love. Until next time, this is Casey Ferguson, over and out. We were reckless for a season now. We're restless with a reason I can't tell I can't tell If we were victims of the vices Or addicted to the crisis Live through hell Live through hell And when you came up for a breath If nothing left to do but choose And everything I lost wasn't much compared to all I had to, I had to lose We laid with the dead and dying Told them all we were just trying to be alive To be alive Closed our eyes and know that we could leave The lives we didn't want to leave behind Behind And when you came up for a breath I knew there wasn't nothing left to do but shoes And everything I lost wasn't much compared to all I had to Watch the colors fade away Bleached out by the sun Left hope for another day Prayed it would never come And when you came up for a breath I knew there wasn't nothing left to do but choose and everything I lost wasn't much compared to all I had to, I had to lose I had to lose I had to lose